Hey, it's Haley. Just wanted to give you all a heads up that this episode does contain a brief mention of suicidal ideation, but we don't go into any graphic detail. Enjoy the show. Before we get into friendship and hugs, which I do think is important. <laughs> I love Linda Cardinalini in literally anything. Yeah, like, she could have been in Two Girls, One Cup. I would have loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that shit. <laughs> Sev, let me show you. I I have a YouTube video where some discredited doctor tells me that it is exactly <laughs> your fault that this happened. So I'm gonna I'm gonna believe them. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear on this? Um, Absolutely. Yes, excellent. <laughs> I didn't know that 24 was supposed to be like the whole season was 24 hours. Oh yeah. yeah. The man doesn't pee for 24 hours. I can't imagine wear, that. Clearly, he's wearing a diaper, Haley. Come on. He's, <laughs> he is the best America's got, and he's got depends on. <laughs> he's got on. depends. <laughs> he's the man we can depends on. Depends. You can depends on Jack Bauer. <laughs> it's amazing that wasn't a sponsor. <laughs> oh, should we start the show? Yeah, we should start the show. Everybody. Hey. I'm Haley. And I'm Zach. And, and we're, we're not, not together. together. How's it going, Zach? Uh it's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, I'm having a pretty good day. Um I I got up, I was tired earlier. I got up very early um because I was kind of guest teaching a creative writing class. Um I, I've done it a couple times now where I'll I'll zoom in or Skype into um, my high school teacher's uh, creative writing class. Um, and this is the first time that, you know, of course, because of quarantine, that like everybody's zooming in all together. Um, and it was it was fun, but it was I mean, it was it's different for sure. Mm -hmm. And it was it was interesting to see just like a like a peek into what teachers have to do like every day. Um, no. And I, I have so much respect for those people because it was um, she told me that it's, you know, it's hard to get kids engaged. And I thought like, oh, you know, yeah, obviously it's creative writing class. And there's always it's always hard to get kids to read what they wrote, you know, because teenagers are in a constant state of being embarrassed. Um, <laughs> but it was I was not prepared because nobody had their camera on. It was me and her, my teacher. Oh, and it was right. just it was a bunch of mute like it was just all their initials. And sometimes they would talk, oh. but it, it took a lot. Eventually, one kid who was like very like he was he was just very cool was taking like stand like stand up classes already, and like just he he, he put his um his his uh his camera on. But even after a while, and I think I eventually got like eight to ten kids to participate out of wow. like thirty, um, which apparently was pretty good. <laughs> But like Dang. that's the thing, and I, I it's felt hard. like I know that it's I it was you. hard. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, it was cool. It's always cool because like it's cool to see what like kids are doing, where their like their thoughts are, what their questions are, and it's it's cool to help out that way. Um, and then I, I did like a writing exercise with them. Um, but yeah, it was I had to like really like I, I got one kid to read his, and then it, I eventually I was just like. Hey, does anybody want to tell me kind of what they were thinking with it? Like where they were thinking of going with it? You don't, don't have to read it. Just like tell me what your thoughts are. And 
I got a couple people more that way. And then one kid was like, I don't know. This is kind of, I don't really have anything for anything. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, well, what are you thinking? And then he gives me this fully realized idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wish, I wish I could convey to kids that you can like, you should, you can try. Your ideas are good. And I, 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 right. I don't know. That's all you can really hope for. But I, anyway, what, I, what I'm trying to say is I have like such respect for, for oh, teachers yeah. doing that. I visited my mom's fifth grade class once for literally two hours and I almost had a panic attack. It was really? buck wild. It was insane. What? And I was like, <laughs> I had like a new level of respect for my mom. I was like, you deal with this shit. And then I was like, well, now that makes a lot more sense why I, you know, I was a breeze to you. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it was just one of me instead of 30. Just one of you. Yeah. And you only had like that one like lesbian thing that happened. And that was that like one like pesky a, lesbian. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Otherwise, great kid. Otherwise, straight A's. Straight A's. <laughs> but Day yeah, you and, I, you and I are like uh, that movie Sliding Doors because I feel like we kind of live this, are living like parallel lives, but only Sh- slightly deviated. Yeah. Two because, ships passing in the night. Because I, I was up super early this morning too. I like got about three hours of sleep last night because my girlfriend had like horrible, horrible. Oh yeah, you said. Just like puking all night. I felt so bad. But it was like one of those things too where I was like holding the trash can and she started puking and then so of course i started oh yeah and then i was afraid and then this is cr- gonna... oh my gosh Haley, you're gonna think i'm crazy but then suddenly i started puking <laughs> at like i i just i don't know why and now i know my tummy started rumbling around that time around I, that I, time i thought you might have been puking we I are a- wow we i was afraid sync. of getting uh trapped in a puke loop though where she puked <laughs> i puked she puked i puked but a i was able loop. to slightly hold strong good for you Thanks. Um, speaking of late '90s rom coms, sure. Right. Yeah, I, wh- that's a pretty wh- good transition. Late '90s, because you're talking about what, like a late night? Is that what we, was that the transition no, you're talking about? Because I'm talking. Oh, sliding about... doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slide. Oh, sliding doors. Right, right, right. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm there. Now we're on the same page. Continue. Look, it's. We've been terrible about it these last couple of weeks, so I think, I think that was a solid great. transition. I think it's been solid. I'll Thanks. let you hear. I won't interrupt this time. You go again. You, it was great. <laughs> I'll just be over here. I'll just be here. I'll be here. I'll be, cheering, I'll be you cheering you on. Okay, okay, thanks. I have the camera. I'm not even here. You just go. <laughs> you just go. Speaking of late nineties, so so <laughs> rom coms, like the movie Sliding Doors, um, we have a friend here, director, filmmaker Sav Rogers. How are you? I'm doing pretty great. This has been fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Great. I'm but not, me- is sliding is sliding doors a rom com? I think so. Or is it more of like a like an eat pray love it was type like, thing? It, it was like sad. I don't know. That's it what was I remember kinda... is being like like bummed out for her. I, mean, I never I was able to look at doors door. the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know, I remember it having like a hopeful ending, though. So maybe that's yeah. why I'm thinking of rom com. But she does. You're right. She doesn't end up right with anyone. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. I, the The latest uh, interaction I've had with sliding doors is the Kimmy Schmidt episode uh-huh. <laughs> right. with the concept of sliding doors <laughs> yeah. in there. I have to rewatch it because I remember it being entertaining, but I remember being like sad at the end. It's like ah. Oh. The, the one door was a, a sad door. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it ended up being a happy door because she was in a better place. And the I real door remember. was friendship the whole time. <laughs> and the real door was inside uh, you so... the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, well, we've been new. Um, uh, talk about that back door. Um, oh. Oh. oh man. Um, so Sav, so uh, so why why are we talking uh, '90s movies? Why why that seamless transition? <laughs> seamless. <laughs> I would imagine it has something to do with either the TED talk I gave called "The Rom Com That Saved My Life" or the documentary I'm directing called "Chasing Chasing Amy," which is all about the cultural impact of Chasing Amy on the LGBTQ community and if it was significant or not. And also its profound impact on my own life uh, coming out as queer and trans. Yeah, it's both. <laughs> it's, it's both, both. those things. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so I so when Zach told me about um, your experience with Chasing Amy, I was like racking my brain to remember if I had seen it or if it was just like queer zeitgeisty enough for me to like just know enough about it to maybe think I saw it. And so I watched it earlier today and I realized I... I don't think I have seen it, um, but yeah, it was really fun. It wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Um, what did you think it was going to be? For some reason, I thought they were going to end up together, and I know at the end it's a little like, will they or won't they in the future, but you kind of get the idea that she shuts it down. But yeah, I thought that it was going to be like, I couldn't remember, but I thought the climax was going to be them finally getting together, and then living happily ever after i think part of it living in the queer zeitgeist is like the the false idea that they do end up together because i've interviewed people for chasing chasing amy and one of my few prerequisites for being interviewed is that you had to watch chasing amy again yeah and they're like and i had a couple people that were like well they end up together and i'm just like no they do not that Mm -hmm. is one of the big things about the movie is that they do not end up together um and and a lot of people who like will critique it online will be like oh well they ended up together and i'm like well that's not that's not what the point of the movie was right. by any stretch of the imagination but you know i also understand why people don't like it i just would prefer if they were correct when they didn't like it right <laughs> right probably that they're from the baron stain universe uh, in which they did end up together yeah Yes, and instead of Kevin Smith making it, it was Kevin Smith. <laughs> Two Fs. Smith or Kevin Smith. James. Yeah. <laughs> he plays loud Robert. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I so love <laughs> I love loud Robert <laughs> as a character. <laughs> So I hate to break it to you. That's just but, real life Kevin Smith, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to have him in the back, like just in scenes, <laughs> being so loud and being obnoxious. You have to keep him quiet. Um, Sav, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, would you mind giving us a um, just a brief synopsis? Yeah. So Chasing Amy is all about uh, this guy, Holden McNeil. He's a comic book writer. And he falls in love with Alyssa Jones, who is also a comic book writer, and she's also a lesbian. And so they have this really deep bond and friendship, and Holden falls in love with her, and he confesses his feelings to her. And at first she rejects him, but then she embraces him because, you know, she has kind of a pansexual approach to her own sexuality, but uses the label lesbian. Remember, this is 1997. And... Essentially, it's all about the you know how they come together, but they fall apart when he learns that she's been with other men before him, mm-hmm. and how that affects his like fragile ego and masculinity. And how do you deal with 
you know, the person you love, uh, you know, not being where you thought they were and what do you do when you feel like insecure? Anyway, that's my interpretation of the movie, but this quick log line is straight guy falls in love with lesbian. They briefly get together. They break up because he's insecure. Like right. that's the movie essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, you know, before I started making chasing, chasing Amy, I would have a lot of conversations with people where they would just like hate it. And I was like, why? And they would like give me like this very like surface level examination of the movie that was like, well, she's a lesbian and she has sex with Ben Affleck. And I'm like, yeah, but like a lot of lesbians have had sex with men and you don't like hate them in real life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, can't people be complex and whatnot? And I also understand the argument for, you know, queer erasure, but I also don't think the movie is about that. Uh, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting the critiques that I ran into, and so in in search of like conversation about it, and to see if Chasing Amy was a culturally significant movie, I started making Chasing Chasing Amy. Uh, before I could have any access or even shoot anything, I had the opportunity to give a TED talk about what Chasing Amy did for me as a person. And essentially, I was you know this twelve year old kid in Kansas. I didn't have a lot of resources. Um, I didn't know that much about LGBTQ people. But I saw this movie because my mom had the Criterion edition of uh, Chasing Amy on DVD. And I was going through, like, this big Ben Affleck phase where I just wanted to watch Ben Affleck movies. Because, <laughs> like, you know, why not? He was fucking Daredevil, right? And yeah. <laughs> is that Was that the first and, thing you ever saw him in? I think so. It's the first yeah. thing I remember seeing him in. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing it in the theaters, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And so around cool. that time yeah. where, like, comic book movies were just starting to come out. Just starting, um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, it was kind of my segue into getting into comic books around that time. You know, like, X2 had come out, and I really loved right. that movie. We had X-Men on VHS. Like, I was really into comic book movies, but Daredevil was my favorite because I was like, oh, my God, ben, this guy Ben Affleck, he's so good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got and- those cool sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I liked the music in the movie. I liked the idea of like a blind lawyer, you know, being able to see through like supersonic hearing. Like, I thought it was radical. Um, and so I got really into Daredevil, but also Ben Affleck movies. So I, I saw that I also, at like eight. I, I'm just thinking of that description of <laughs> the the Daredevil movie, and that it's about a blind lo- lawyer. <laughs> I just love the idea that it's just a law movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> he sometimes right. that use that to his advantage in yeah. like the courtroom. I can hear uh-huh. you're lying, <laughs> but he can. There's a yeah. whole scene where you can hear that someone's lying. Yeah, that's like a whole big part of the movie. Because they're like anyway. breath quickens or whatever, right? Yeah, oh, and people give Affleck a lot of shit for that role, but I was like, actually, like as an adult, I was like, he's actually a great Matt Murdock, you know? I mean, it's questionable yeah. material, but sure. he's doing really great with the material he's given. You know? Yeah, you can't blame him um, for that. <laughs> and I feel the same way about his Batman, by the way. I thought he was a terrific Batman. But I also know that nobody will take my opinion on Affleck seriously because of the TED Talk I gave talking about how my <laughs> childhood living room was the Ben Affleck Film Festival, right? Yeah. Right, and right. <laughs> yeah. But I saw that movie, and uh, it totally changed my life, seeing Chasing Amy. And uh, you know, I only watched it because Affleck was in it, but I got so much more out of it than I ever thought possible. And was that the first queer representation you had seen or the first queer representation you had seen where people where queer people weren't being like you know made the joke or something Mm -hmm. you know i don't know um you know like my mom had a gay best friend but i didn't really identify with him you know he was super flamboyant and i've just never been that way you know like i didn't really recognize that was like an option for me 
But as mm-hmm. I continued to watch Chasing Amy and I was drawn into it because of the romance of it and like wanting that kind of like passionate romantic love, I was like 12 and had all these feelings with nowhere to put them, right? Yeah. And, you know, I uh, I saw it and I, eventually I began to process. I was like, oh, the way that Alyssa is describing her sexuality, that's how I feel about my sexuality, you know, this fluidity, right? And I never saw myself as particularly feminine, but I really identified with her kind of I'm going to do what I want when I want uh, attitude and her, you know, like, you know, her her sense of integrity. I thought she was like like a very like she was just a great character. She was like totally the heroine of that movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I totally identified with that with that, you know, fluidity of sexuality, even at a young age where I was like, you know, it, it kind of feels like it's more about the person than anything else. And so it took me a couple of years to really process like what all those words meant in the movie because when you're 12 you can't process those big feelings and no. totally and those that's big speeches. it's a it's like an it's like an an R film right like it's it's very much yeah. for adults yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah. it's it's pretty crude sexually it might be get a PG 13 rating today but it was R in 97 <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> and so I saw this movie and I and it totally revolutionized my life and I was so grateful to have it and I kind of clung to it like a lifeline because it just made me feel better about being a person like I didn't feel great about being a person back then I didn't have a ton of friends I didn't have anybody I felt genuinely understood me Um, I couldn't talk to anybody about any of the feelings about my sexuality because I would get made fun of at school for presenting as you know as as a butch lesbian to them right um but I was, you know, stuffing, you know, that gender performativity of presenting masculine deep, deep down at the same time while, like, thinking it was just about my sexuality, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so Chasing Amy was, like, there for me, like a person. Like, it's it's weird to have that kind of relationship with a movie, but it ultimately, like, saved my life. And, and yeah. that's what the TED Talk is about, is about that period of my life. You know, it sums it up in eight minutes, what that movie did for me and why that mattered. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you if uh, I would absolutely suggest anybody check it out. It's 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 really moving, and I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved what you said. I mean, I wrote down a lot of things you said, but I loved what you said about um, you felt like you were getting away with murder watching Chasing Amy because it was oh, like yeah yeah. I mean, my mom. I, my mom did not remember how crude that movie was. Like, <laughs> I mean, for, she tried to like shelter me from like sex and and that kind of stuff in the world which like yeah I, I get that but she also didn't really like stop me from watching anything particularly violent I mean like you know like in the movie Daredevil like Electra's throat gets slit you know like that was fine for me to watch but yeah not really anything with a lot of sexuality um and so to to hear people just like talking openly about like sex like that was cool you know and like talking about you know uh you know comic books in like such a rad way and like you know they were having all these adult conversations that I felt privy to because you know uh, I was raised as an only child by my mom and so I would end up like being around all her friends right but they would kind of try to censor themselves whenever I was around and I never viewed myself as a child I always just thought I was like a smaller adult you know like in my mind (laughs) (laughs) and so like I felt like privy to these conversations now Yeah, you know, it, like it, I didn't have like a lot of kids my own age to like talk to, and so mm-hmm. I would like come to them and be like, "Oh, that movie Chasing Amy, huh?" And they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of those adult conversations, like a little like again because I, I hadn't seen this, a little like twinkle in my heart happened when they had that like Jaws 
like scene, <laughs> that comparable Jaws scene where they're comparing scars. I was like, oh, uh-huh. that part was amazing. Yeah, you know, it's strange because Kevin Smith is a straight, cis, white dude who does not share the experience of, of lesbians or anything like that. But from my point of view, and, and you know, I'm not a lesbian, you know, I'm a, I'm a trans uh, pansexual dude now, you know. But I, uh, I always thought it was, like, very authentic, you know? And, like, the more queer movies I watched, I was like, but this is how the lesbians I know talk, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, like they're talking like that. So I don't know. I, you know, it, it, authenticity is always a conversation. It's something that we try to navigate in the movie. Um, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I just think it's, like, a, it's a really funny movie, too. Mm-hmm. I mean... Sure, there are aspects of it that are dated, but I don't think movies are always meant to stand the test of time and and changing social values. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. a big difference between, like, something like Birth of a Nation, right, which is, like, a horrible Ku Klux Klan movie. I don't think you can compare it, though. Like, that was bad at the time that they made it. Like, that was bad. (laughs) Um, So, like, I feel like, you know, like, outdated ways of, like, talking to each other that were present here, it's more of a period piece than anything else. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I view it it but i also i respect if other people don't like it and they have critiques of it you know like i clearly have a personal relationship to it Mm -hmm. but nothing anybody else can say can ever take that away from me or it doesn't threaten my uh adoration of the film you know yeah i get that too because i sometimes i have like conflicting feelings about films i maybe once loved or you know want to love still and i'm like oh is it weird but it's also like for its time it did its best you know, yeah. Um, yeah, we've t- Zach and I have talked about this before, but for example, the film like Boys Don't Cry and how when it when yeah. I first watched it, I was like, I am obsessed with this movie. And then, you know, nowadays it's like, oh, shit, I realize the implications of having, you know, this cis woman play a trans male character. And like, so yeah. it's like now it's I mean- like, Ugh. you know, I get it. I've never seen the movie because even as at a, the younger the younger age that I became aware that it existed, I was like, like I knew what happened, like I knew what happened to Brandon Tina in that movie, mm-hmm. and I just didn't need to see it. I was like, no, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. need to see it. This movie is not for me. I am not the target audience for this. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's a it's an audience that needs to learn to respect trans people and to show the horrifying things that the trans community goes through. But even before I was out as trans, like I didn't need to see it. I had no desire to, mm-hmm. though I'm sure it's a fine movie. But when people complain about, when people complain about Hilary Swank playing Brandon Tina, my first question as a trans guy is like, would you, okay, look at like the climate in which it came out. It came in out in 1999, right? I would, I, I could not name a, a a trans actor in 1999 who would have been willing to out themselves right to play that role in 1999 i mean being stealth is like a has been a big part of like trans mass culture for a long time and wanting to blend in Mm -hmm. and especially again the subject matter of that movie like i do not hold any ill will Mm -hmm. yeah i do not hold any ill will against hillary swank for playing that role and if anything like and I don't know how well this conversation is going to age, but this is how I feel right now is like, I like, <laughs> I, I think it's ridiculous to try to like come after the people that made that movie for not putting a trans guy in it when I bet it was really fucking hard to find a trans guy who would have been able to play that role back then. <clears throat> and right. if I'm wrong, happy to be wrong. If there right. was a trans guy that was up for that role who didn't get it, 
yeah, that's a conversation to be had. But mm-hmm. I just think about all the trans guys that wouldn't have wanted to come out in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like a lot of trans people like don't want to be you know, known for their, their gender transition. Like it's so, it's such like a, kind of like a fucked way to live sometimes where that's all people like will reduce you to. So I can't imagine in the, in the late nineties, somebody coming forward to, to play that role, totally, especially with like being a formally trained actor and all that. And I know that trans actors have always existed and whatnot, but I really don't hold it against the filmmakers or her. You know, I think it's a conversation now and in the last 10 years that mm-hmm. that conversation has radically started to shift. And that's what I find to be unacceptable. But I don't think we were having that conversation back then. And again, I can be wrong and I'm happy to be corrected if somebody has information that I don't. But I, I don't think that we can hold it against people for doing their best. And ultimately, you know, I don't know, like, I just think it's kind of messed up to like, hold today's standards retroactively on a film from i don't know like 20 years ago like yeah i mean the intentions yeah the intentions were definitely good and i'm sure it was quite hard just to get that movie made exactly um, in general um but i think now if you were to do it i mean you you have to right you have yes because Uh, because you have the resources there's a lot more safety and comfort in being out as a trans person um, and I and I'm also like not if anybody's listening to this and they're like I disagree with you great please disagree with me like it is I think it's important to have these multitudes you know multiple points of view um, on it and if you know if if it hurts you that that, that this happened I'm really sorry you know I feel the same way about people who um, f- feel hurt by chasing Amy like you are totally right to feel that way your feelings are your feelings but this is my point of view and and that's you know how I'm expressing it is like I can't I can't bother to hold on to any like anger in my heart about it you know like right you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I don't love that I also don't love that like Jared Leto won a a a best uh, supporting actor award for Dallas Buyers Club I haven't watched that movie on purpose because at the time I was like this is messed up you guys should know better right yeah and absolutely um, and that's my personal thing is like at that time it was very well known that you should not <laughs> cast uh, cis people in trans roles because trans people don't have the opportunity to play themselves. Mm-hmm. But I can't hold that same standard to Boys Don't Cry because I don't think that that standard was in place. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, anyway. I think I think that movie, much like Chasing Amy, like I said, is like doing the best it could for the time it was. You know, I and like Zach said too, I think the intentions you can you can catch the intentions of movies like that very quickly, you know, whether it's an Oscar grab or a genuine attempt to tell a story. It's interesting when a movie like that or like chasing Amy is, is both it's so divisive because it's both embraced and also there's people that, you know, can't stand it for one reason or another for, because of casting or because of our portrayal of, um, which I don't hold against them. Right. You know, like, Everybody's entitled to feel however they want to feel about movies. Yeah. That's the whole point is that you have a personal relationship to it and you are more than free to critique it. Um, you know, like that is that is your right uh, with a public art, you know. Um, so I never I try not to get too mad at, like, about other people's opinions on movies, but I get mad when people haven't seen a movie and they have an opinion on it where yeah. it's like you didn't see it. Like I can't comment on Dallas Buyers Club. Like I, mm. I can't you know, comment on the content of that movie, but I know why I'm not watching it. And I feel firm about not watching it because I don't, again, that story's not for me, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, um, so after you know, so after the TED talk, TED talk happens. Um, you, you have met uh, Kevin Smith, yeah? Yes. Well, yes. have you talked to him about this at all? Like, what you know, what the intentions were, or how he wrote um, those characters so like so earnestly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully that'll just come out in the in the movie. I don't want to give too much away. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, Spoilers. But, but Kevin, <laughs> but Kevin has been, uh, you know, more than cooperative. Um, you know, the TED Talk came online and he reached out within an hour, um, wow. and has been nothing but kind to me and made himself available for any possible interview I need for the project. Um, he's a genuinely um, good human being from everything that I know about him. Um, and I feel really lucky to, you know, now know him as a result of making this movie because, you know, like, I, I feel like our stories are kind of similar in, in weird opposite, like sliding doors kind of ways, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like you guys are talking about, I do know um, what you mean. <laughs> and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a total privilege to get him, get to make a movie, you know, uh, featuring someone like Kevin. Um, he's one of the nicest people I've met period, let alone in Hollywood, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but he he's given me all all the all the details I could ever want about chasing Amy, uh, and it's been a total nice little fanboy experience on that level to do it. You know, chasing chasing Amy is not this objective piece where it's like you know where it's like I'm gonna pretend like I don't love Ben Affleck. Like of course, like <laughs> I can't I can't un I can't undo my TED talk. I can't undo like any of the things that have happened to me. But I do try to approach it in a I'm open to all points of view kind of ways. You know, even though. I feel very strongly. And it's a biased I, lens. Not, right. Yeah, like, I mean, but it's a personal story. Like, I'm telling mm-hmm. my story through it. And so, you know, but people are more than welcome, again, to still dislike Chasing Amy. But I do think that it's worth noting that, like, Kevin has been nothing but kind to a queer trans kid who kind of popped out out of nowhere and dropped this very intense TED Talk about what this movie meant to him. He's mm-hmm. been nothing but kind to me. And extremely supportive of like me coming out as trans and you know me being myself like we've had a lot of conversations about it and like I think that's worth noting like even if you don't like chasing Amy I think that it's important to note that like he's still a person who is doing his best always and if you look at Jay and Silent Bob reboot I think there's some really good uh, queer representation in that movie you know um mm-hmm. it's definitely different than Strike Back you know I think his humor maybe has changed a little bit in how he approaches like LGBTQ things you know um but also at the end of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back which you know has some of the most hardcore gay jokes of any of his movies he's like if you use any of these epithets against any LGBTQ people or straight people you are a moron do not do this you know like yeah, yeah. which like I find interesting like to put that in like the end of your movie so anyway i clearly like gavin but i also um you know the movie's not about him it's more about the story of what chasing amy did for me and how it's affected other people right Right. because it hit you at a very formative part of your life and and as you said it it saved your life completely i mean um you know i don't know if we need to do like a trigger warning or something like that um at the beginning of the episode or something i don't know um but yeah i was like a I was a a 12 year old that did not want to live anymore. Um, That's a really tough place to be. Um, And it kind of programs you in a weird way for the rest of your life. Like when you're at like that very, those very formative years and you want to die. Um, And so it's, you know, depression and anxiety are still a struggle, although I don't feel the need to 
to you know uh, self harm or anything like that. But it's um, it was tough, and and that movie was there for me, you know. And I feel like a lot of people have something that was there for them, whether it's like the Harry Potter books or nowadays like a podcast or a YouTuber or something like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody leans on entertainment to feel better about their lives um, in some way or to be entertained or just to forget about pain every once in a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, I kept that movie in my DVD player for at least a month straight. You know, the tube of wonderful song that like that was is constantly seared in my brain forever. Like I will never forget, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> just because that was like the DVD music. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's tough, but. Like, I feel like if you have that kind of personal relationship to a movie, like, yeah, of course you're going to feel the way I feel about Chasing Amy. Maybe you feel that way about Shallow Hal. I don't fucking know. Like, you know, <laughs> whatever whatever gets you through the day, I've, I respect unless you're like a Nazi. And then right. I have no respect for you. You right. know, like, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Get out. Yeah. You don't yeah. get to watch movies or anything. Yeah, you got to take care of your shit first and, and yeah. become unradicalized before we'll talk about <laughs> movies, you know? I just want to mention it is it is interesting how so many people in the queer community have a piece of uh, entertainment or art or text that they f- will 100% say saved their life. Like, I yeah. totally feel that way about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, wow, that got me at the right perfect time when I needed it. And it's like seeing a you know queer representation and it being not a joke and like real whole characters being queer it was like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) it sounds so like kind of so stupid and almost like cringy now but like i watch so many just like youtube just gay youtube video like you know like people like tyler yeah i don't know i don't know it just feels like i just i maybe just i feel like that like kid just watching on his like laptop and clearly watching it because I'm closeted, but pretend I don't know. I guess maybe there's still that leftover feeling of like, uh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. What am I doing? Um, I, I feel I, that, I, I man. Yeah. Like, I, I even up until like I came out as trans, I was afraid to Google trans stuff because I was worried it would make it real, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, that is so fucking real, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In a weird way, I think that's why Buffy felt safe to me because. Sure. It wasn't a show about gay people. It was you know? fantasy. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was a show about something else, and there were gay characters in it. But that was like, oh, that's whatever. I could do without that or with it. You know, it's like the show's yeah. really about this. What I was telling myself in my brain, but really, I was there for the queer characters. You know what? Yeah, same, same for me in like Oran High School Host Club. Like that show is hecka gay, but. <laughs> Like, the main romance is, like, quote-unquote straight, although it is a girl uh, in, like, going under, almost, like, undercover as a guy in this host club thing. It's so queer, and it's mm-hmm. so, and everybody wants to kiss everyone, and, God, I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> it, it still also is old and has its problems, too, like, sure. because it's it doesn't have quite some of the language, but it, it is earnest. I think regardless, it all comes back to just needing representation. Seeing yourself in something in some way um, is so necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, and it goes both ways because you're also exposing people who don't share your life experience to your life experience. And mm-hmm. I think that's really valuable. I mean, movies are not just about seeing yourself. It's about seeing other people 
and having a deeply empathetic experience that makes you walk away like you know feeling something for someone who you don't necessarily relate to or know or would maybe even like you know hang out with in real life but i think it's important that we watch things that make us more empathetic and i'm not saying that's like the only thing you watch movies for i mean you watch movies for everything but I'm just saying I think it's important for us to watch movies that aren't necessarily tied to our identity um, so that we can maybe see how other people live or, you know, to see how people other people do do not live. And then you see on Twitter how people are upset that they don't live that way and they that the movie came out about that, you know, (laughs) Um, uh, but I it's all valuable. I mean, everything is cumulative, right? Like Mm -hmm. every movie I've ever seen or every movie, you know, that was bad and I, you know, I didn't like it or there was something in a bad movie that I really liked that I wanted to like bring into my filmmaking practice that, you know, that's, that all adds up. And it also makes me, you know, like a a smarter movie maker. It also makes me a smarter movie watcher, you know, like everything. I love watching bad movies, bad movies. I learned from, more i think half the time absolutely because you you get used to seeing like filmmaking conventions done well and when Mm -hmm. you see somebody completely miss the mark you're like oh that's why that's so important that's why that's so important right right because you think you could just like when you watch you know plenty of you know well lit well edited well directed stuff you're like yeah yeah i can do this and then you just point the camera and then you're like oh shit and then yeah it is great to see really shitty stuff and then you can be like yeah wow, I got to make sure I uh, don't do that. You know? It's like, have you ever, I don't know if either of you, I don't, Haley, you haven't, Seth, have you ever done improv at all? Uh, I've taken acting classes yeah. and been extremely uncomfortable, but I think <laughs> it's important. It's good. I, it's, it's, I, I recommend everybody do it for sure. Um, I, I did it because I thought it was important to like learn yeah. how my actors feel when I give them direction. Absolutely, um, mm-hmm. yes. And, I, and I've done it and I won't, and I probably won't do it again, but it was a really valuable learning experience. Yes. I'm like, okay, this is how I'm at, how I'm going to be talking to people. And this is what I'm asking people to do. I better be like, damn sure. I know what I'm talking about before I bring them out here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It grinds my gears so much when I'm on set and I hear a director give a lousy line, like just something just a lousy direction. Just like, Hey, uh, we just need more or just you know, keep doing it, but happy. And like, fuck what do you what do you want from them what does that mean you know yeah. it's biggest, so frustrating yeah my biggest pet peeve is seeing a director give a bad line reading where they're like hey can you say it like this and i'm like why aren't you acting in it yeah <laughs> like it's one thing it's one thing if it's funny and it's like okay like sure sure but like when when you clearly don't understand what the scene is about and you're like just telling on yourself that way Oh, right. That is yeah. that is brutal to watch because yeah. you're just like, I don't know. I'll get it a couple different ways and we'll see how it edits rather than like, no, there should be an intention to this. Scene. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, well, it's, I, I love it's, when actors yeah. give options, but but totally yeah. when it when a director has completely missed the mark on what they think the scene is about. And it's like, oh, my God, you're steering the ship. We need yeah. an adult here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating because it's like it's this working relationship that should be a two way street. But it's so often like the director will act like it's the actor who's not getting it right. I ju- the actor just isn't giving me the right thing. And like he can't he or she can't read your mind. Like they don't know what like they're just doing the best they can and mm-hmm. and if you treat them like they're a kid then I don't, then you're not going to you're not going to get a full working relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. 
anyway, this is a long way to say that like it's one thing to like do improv and and learn all the the steps and you you're in class and you're like you know that okay this is I know what game it is I know what these moves are I know how they work and I know they're important but then when you go to like an open like free for all improv night my god do you learn how to do improv because <laughs> people will just waltz on in the middle of a scene and go I'm the president I've got a gun <laughs> and you're like oh geez no <laughs> like what is this president gun scene there was a safe door Agent right Michael here Scarn. and you just walked right through it what yeah exactly Agent Michael Scarn. <laughs> yeah, you will yeah. get a, you will get agent michael scarns and you like suddenly understand so much more about what you're doing just because just from watching that because you now you know what not to do and exactly why in a way right. that you can't learn in just a class you know mm-hmm. yeah right anyway what were we talking about <laughs> Oh, bad Probably movies. Probably gay shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gay shit. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you've been making this film for 10 years. You've been working on it for that long, yeah? Something I mean, like I've that? been doing the research for like 10 years. Like, yeah. I started making it kind of, like I decided I was going to make it like right after like college. I think mm-hmm. that was, I think that was like the big thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know any of these people. I don't have any connections to Hollywood. I'm just a, a kid who graduated film school in Kansas. And then... Uh, I applied for this thing called the TED residency uh, in New York and it's at TED HQ and basically you do a three month idea incubator with TED where you go into their office every day for three months and you work on your TED talk and you work on a project and I applied on a whim from a Facebook ad and it totally changed my life because I just kind of applied the last day that you could apply. Wow. A very vague pitch about how I was going to do a TED talk about LGBTQ representation because that was like the only thing I was qualified to talk about. I attached Mm -hmm. my director's reel and a still from the last short I did and they got back to me and, uh... Like, I, I was one of the finalists. I was the very last person they interviewed for it. And they were like, well, if you had to give your TED Talk tomorrow, what would it be about? And I told them about Chasing Chasing Amy. And they were like, we have never heard a pitch that narrow and specific. <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, and yeah. we, were getting along re- we were getting along really well. And I was like, man, I just I hope I get it because these people seem really nice. And uh, two days later, I found out I got it. Two or three days later, yeah. And uh, wow. my life has been forever changed. Um that program totally changed everything for me. It it taught me how to really utilize my network and uh, how to meet incredible people and, you know, how to get in rooms that, you know, people might pay attention to my movies in. And I met a ton of people who worked on Chasing Amy who were still living in New York and Jersey. And um, I was basically just using that time to set myself up as an, op- you know, set it up as an opportunity for telling my story, being really honest about it. And hoping that when the TED Talk came out, Kevin Smith would see it. Mm-hmm. And so for him to see it within an hour of it being online and reaching out, like, that That's was incredible. fucking everything. It was, it, was, it was like half a year of, of work just to get this dude to see this TED Talk. Because I knew that no phone call, no email, no nothing was going to be as uh, impactful as somebody giving a TED Talk about a movie that you don't think people care about anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and and that and that just kind of set off our our rapport and uh, really kind of set off all the access I needed to get started making chasing chasing Amy, and then as it progressed, the more personal side of things started to kind of take over the movie, and so it became like this meta thing where in the movie we acknowledge I'm working on a movie called Chasing Chasing Amy, <laughs> but meanwhile <laughs> we're talking about like all the this 
things that are tied up in my own identity with this movie and and how it has effectively saved my life and been a strange like guiding path like my love for this one really specific movie Mm -hmm. um and so that's been it's been weird but it's been nice at the same time because i get Mm -hmm. to work on it with really great people and i've gotten to meet really amazing people out of it that's amazing yeah that sounds like thanks that sounds incredible. I came. I never knew that any good came from a Facebook ad, <laughs> but that's. I think that's I'm the so only nice. person that likes their Facebook ads because I see shit all the time. I'm like, oh, I'll apply for this. I'll apply for this. You know, sure. Yeah. Uh, they're already mining my data anyway. Might as well get something. <laughs> <out of> it. <laughs> Might as well use it. Yeah. Right. Might as well get just, something yeah. useful out of there. I just get ads right. for some garbage on Wish, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, that's that's the the extent. Oh, man. I got some great rave stuff on Wish. That's the most. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most. <laughs> that's the most good i've gotten out of it i get a lot um, of i got a lot of v-neck t-shirts that say just a florida girl in a california world or something <laughs> like that please tell me you're not from florida that would make it better oh i am from florida but i wish oh, yeah man. that would have been really great no they Extremely are very Florida-ian. effective at mining <laughs> yeah before we kind of transition into a next part of the show um could you talk about your kind of personal like growth? Like, do would you say that it's it's tied with this this movie, this process, this TED Talk? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of this whole process, I had just graduated from film school in Kansas. I had never lived anywhere outside of Kansas, and I mean, not really like as an adult, you know. Like, I went to I went to school forty five minutes away from my parents' house, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then doing the TED residency gave me such freedom to like, you know, do that like big coming of age thing. I lived there for four months and that was great. And then I got another fellowship after TED, um, that took me to LA. It was called the outset fellowship at Outfest. And I moved from New York to LA to do that. And I had three weeks to move from New York to LA to do that. So that was, that was intense. Um, but it was totally worth it. Because not only was the fellowship good in that I made but a lot you of friends met there. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Technically Ted gave me that, but I did I did get to see you again thanks to yeah. thanks to Outfest. But uh, it was also super advantageous to be in LA when I was shooting Chasing Chasing Amy because I had already shot a bunch of stuff in New York and uh, LA or in New York and New Jersey, and then uh, I did all my LA shoots while I was living there for the ten months that I was like living there full time. And it totally, I mean, it was another opportunity to change my life. Every moment of this movie has been gratifying in some way because I've been able to just, you know, make more friends and, and, and meet new people and improve the craft of, of my filmmaking practice. And, I mean, I feel like I owe so much to the to not only Chasing Amy, but making Chasing Chasing Amy. Um, and I'm forever grateful for that and I came out as trans in the middle of of making Chasing Chasing Amy which is is elaborated much more upon in in the movie and so I'll be able to fully tell that story when it comes out but I don't mm. want it to be old news by the time the movie comes out so I won't say <laughs> no anything spoilers. more but yeah, fair enough. yeah no but spoilers. I did come out in the middle of that so um you know it's it's been an intense and life-altering process and I'm forever grateful for it incredible that's incredible I can't wait Thanks. to see it me too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you sort of like hate when people say that because you're like, yeah, I know. I would love to see this movie. No, I love that anybody wants to see a movie for me. I, I mean, yeah. I've never made a feature before. I've never had right. a short where people are like, I am so excited to see this. Like mm-hmm. the enthusiasm that people seem to have for this movie is uh, unlike anything that I've 
previously experienced, and I feel mm-hmm. super lucky to um, to to be in this position. Yeah, yeah, it's so relatable. It kind of reminds me of that doc, um, my date with Drew. Did you see that one? No, yes. what's that? I'm gonna write yes. that. Write that down. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's about this guy who, when he was a kid, um, saw ET and fell in love with Drew Barrymore. I mean, they were the same age at that time, so it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not weird. Not weird. Fell in love with her. Basically, has been a huge fan of hers and that movie um, ever since. And then he moved to Los Angeles, um, and he. Basically, he's operating on the principle that everyone knows anyone else through six degrees of separation. Yeah. Yeah. So he just started like reaching out using his network, trying to figure out just to get it, see if he could get a date with Drew Barrymore. Um, and so it's really interesting. I, this is great. I would love it's, to see that. Movie. You would, I think cute. you'd really enjoy it. I think you'd yeah. really enjoy it. Fantastic. Really, yeah. yeah. I'm also like really like interested in like ideas about fame, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, look, I'm I'm not anybody, you know. I'm just I'm just a, a dude from Kansas who gets to make this movie. But like, the more publicly known I become, the more like I understand like why Ben Affleck looks so fucking miserable every time somebody takes his picture. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, it's yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts, like how people like act about fame, and it's like like it ends up having like a lot of these like one way relationships where nobody can ever possibly meet your expectations because yeah, you know what I mean? And so that's like something I'm like kind of fearful of. Like when this, if this movie comes out and performs well, like people like think they like know me really well from like the movie. And it's like, yes, you will know way too much about me, but you know, like managing those like relationships and stuff. So that's why I'm like really impressed by Kevin is that he has such a good relationship with like his like fans, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's fucking nuts. And so like, and my, and I bring that up because that idea of like my date with Drew, like I haven't seen it, but like, can this date possibly live up to his expectations? Right. That's insane. Right. That's what I'm really interested about is like, is he disappointed if he gets to meet her? Like (laughs) it sounds nuts. Yeah. You'll find out. I guess you'll find out. <laughs> so anyway, now we've come to the point of the show where we like to do a fun little game. and uh, I love games. You we two, love games. Yeah, you two are not exactly pitted against each other. This is more of a conversation. Um, there's not really Bummer. a right answer. I'm extremely competitive. So okay, then you bullshit. know what? You two, it's <laughs> versus. <laughs> All right, I am also extremely competitive. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm okay. m- more competitive, maybe. <laughs> So Not a fucking chance. <laughs> we have been, uh, this is news to no one, but we've been talking about chasing Amy for a lot of this episode. Um, yes. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about um, other famous Amys. So we've got some famies here. <laughs> and what's going to happen is I'm going to give you both a prompt. And the answer is going to be one of two Amys. And you both will give me... Uh, tell me which Amy you would pick for this situation and why. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so the first one we've got, we're going to throw it back to like the early to mid aughts. Okay. Who is more likely to participate in polygamy? <laughs> is <Nice>. it <laughs> Amy Lee, the lead singer of Evanescence? Of course. Or Amy Smart, who you re- remember from like Just Friends or road trip uh-huh. or the butterfly effect or if yeah, you watch yeah. shameless okay, okay. You know. i'm thinking oh, yeah. amy lee it's uh, these two I mean, these two 
Yeah, I'm thinking Amy Lee. She's, I'm feeling she's Amy hip. Lee. She's hip. She's progressive, I assume. Sure. Uh, she's in Evanescence. I feel like a lot of dudes would want to be with her, maybe some yeah. women. I don't Absolutely. know how she identifies. Sure. Let's do it. I feel like she'd be in. She'd be polygamous, but very much in, like, the dominant role. Like, she'd um, have... Yeah. She'd probably have her, like... Um, she's, like, the main... The right. main one that they're She'd all She'd have a to. harem of if you of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. like a a, cal- a a dude calendar where it's like, <laughs> all right, I'm meeting one on Mondays, two on Tuesdays. Uh-huh. She's totally. like the Joe Exotic in the equation in that they're all marrying her <laughs> and yes. not each other. Yes. Exactly. I, I think, yeah, as we've said before in the show, Amy Lee is basically the Joe Exotic of her time. You always say yeah. that. Zach has always, always said that. that. He's always said that. I always said that. Nothing against Amy Smart. I think she's a Joe Exotic in her own way. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we all are. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, we, I I mean d- we love to love Amy Smart. I just think out of who's the more polygamous, For sure. more likely. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. Okay, that was an easy one. Yeah. Okay, which of these Amys would you rather, if you seek Amy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, which doesn't quite work, but which of these Amy's would you rather, you know, get with, date, maybe sleep with? Maybe, all right. Is it Amy Adams or Amy Winehouse? Oh, man, oh, man. You know, if she was still with us, R.I.P. I feel weird about saying Amy Winehouse. Um, Amy Adams seems nice, like a nice lady. My mom and I saw her at the Grove in L.A. one time, <laughs> and my mom recognized who she was before I did and was mm-hmm. making weird eye contact with her. And <laughs> yeah. now she claims that they're best friends. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it would be weird to date my mom's best friend, best friend. Amy Adams. True. Yeah. But she is also still alive, so I'd probably have to go with her. Okay, fair oh, enough. sure, sure. We're, we're not <laughs> – I don't think we're suggesting we go dig up Amy <laughs> No, no, no. I know exactly what you're trying to trap me into saying. <laughs> I know why you had me damn on it. the show, gotcha. god damn it. This gotcha. is that gotcha journalism. Yeah. You didn't exactly. fall for it. <laughs> I mean, Director I think – Director Seth Rogers wants to dig up Amy <laughs> So – are, so which is it? Is it your is it a dead woman or <laughs> your your mom's friend? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Fish. Sorry, it's a, it's Amy Adams. I'm sorry, mom. Yeah. I didn't mean I, to betray I mean, your trust I, like this. At least your I mom like, would approve. I like I like Amy Adams, but she does. I don't know. Even before he before he said it, she does feel like a mom friend, or like I think she if the if it was who do I who am I gonna marry? Uh, Amy. Who is gonna be <laughs> like uh, who? <laughs> They're both named Amy. No, <laughs> no so obviously now that one I, I enjoyed. Gonna, <laughs> who am I gonna? Who am I gonna? F U C K Amy. I mean Amy. Amy. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent. I think I have to go with Hands Winehouse. Down. Amy Winehouse. Okay, gotcha. Because I just think she's 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 wild. She knows how to have a good time. I I don't know. Yeah. I think I treat her right. <laughs> I All think right. She deserves it. She she's does. a doomed relationship, brother. I can tell you that. <laughs> I know. I'm gay. She's dead. It'll never work. <laughs> I mean, honestly, chasing this is the new. This is the 2020 chasing Amy is a gay guy trying to get with a dead woman. <laughs> this is gonna oh, be my yikes. documentary. <laughs> oh boy. Um, who's more likely to come up with a cockamamie plan? I like this. <laughs> this is I so love bad. this. Is it uh, Amy Sedaris? Oh, yeah. or um, probably 
Yeah, probably, right? That's probably yeah, the answer. Yeah. Or um, Amy Acker. I don't know if you two are familiar okay. with Amy Acker. From, from, like, Joss Whedon stuff? Exactly, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, definitely uh, Sedaris. I mean, Amy Sedaris. Right? I would She's get Princess up to so many shenanigans with her. Oh my gosh, have you watched yeah. At Home with Amy Sedaris? It's amazing. I, I have not I seen it yet. yet. It is on my list. Oh, my gosh. I She's, love her. She's it's incredible. So it's like this kooky peewee's playhouse like sketch comedy wrapped up in a martha stewart show oh, oh say no that. more I'm, yeah. there. I'm I'm actually leaving this interview early to go watch it <laughs> <laughs> so anyway totally that was have roger okay bye yeah. uh <laughs> but yeah for <laughs> gotta sure. watch it i thought amy acker might have some kooky cred just because of her whedon uh association but you can't out- i loved her i loved it's her just- in dollhouse oh she's yeah great she's great yeah. you can't out kooky amy sedaris though no you can't no you can't all right, now who would you rather be Amy goes with? Oof. Um, Amy Schumer or Amy Poehler? Oh, Amy Poehler, come on! Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. No, no, nothing against Amy Schumer; she seems like no, a no, no. Person. I want Amy Schumer to hear this. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, I, but I, I feel like I grew up watching like Amy Poehler, you know, yep. and like, uh, what a remarkable, you know, uh, comedian you know she is uh, i would just like to learn from her like yes. follow her around for a day you know yeah. that she knows about you know and uh learn from her i mean that would be rad uh i know these yeah. are like more serious answers but i'm giving this like a lot of thought no i love that <laughs> i think amy poehler is just so i don't know full of energy and so fun it seems like it seems like her persona is basically exactly what you see um mm-hmm. oh my gosh i've been watching making it and the mm-hmm. way she like really tries to like I don't know, engage the, cause they're all like really shy craft people. And she like really tries to get them like excited. And then like, if they're not doing so hot that week, she'll like really try and pep them up and be like, Hey, but you know, that's a good idea. Like when the, when the judges are critiquing, they're like, well, co- hold on guys. Let's not, you know, let's not go. She did her best. <laughs> like she's very sweet. Right. I just think she seems like a pal. Yeah. And I'm always nostalgic for parks and rec, man. I mean, oh Leslie Nope. I, Leslie Nope is the politician that we actually need. Oh Agreed. my gosh! Yeah. If everybody in public service was as excited and earnest about doing that kind Helping of work, people, mm-hmm. right? Like the world would be so much better off. Even if she is like a bulldozer that tries to control shit all the time. Like, I, hey, I relate. Hey, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same. The thing is, it's like you don't. Yeah, you don't have to be like flaw. She's not flawless, but like has good intentions. Which again, yeah, I guess that's the that's thesis. Helpful. I guess that's the thesis of this episode yeah. is as long as the intentions are good, you know, even if it's has a few flaws, like overall, you got to look at the big picture. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think that, you know, keeping people's intentions in mind, of course, it doesn't negate impact always. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's I think giving people the benefit of the doubt that a lot of them are trying their best, even if they don't have all the knowledge you do. Mm-hmm. I think that's valuable. I think right. it's and I think it'll ease up your blood pressure at least uh, i mean i can't get worked up over every egregious thing somebody does you know um mm-hmm. sure. i think i think that's i think that's valuable and like just like hey you know like let's let's hear them out first and then if they're still an asshole then they're still an asshole obviously but right right i try some, to be an optimist yeah at some point you do have to take people at their word when they tell you who they are but um it's nice to be optimistic i yeah and yeah. i really admire that i love that i feel like i uh try to be but i also eventually there's a certain point where i'm like oh okay i'm i'm, I'm done i'm gonna move over here right. now 
And know? also, like, this conversation about intentions is not, like, one size fit all. Like, you yeah. know, doesn't apply to, like, fucking racism or something. We're just talking right. about movies, you know? Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. in- I don't think those intentions are very good, though, those guys. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, Call me good. crazy. Uh, hot take. I just, I just know that, like, you know, I just, I know the leaps in logic. It's like, oh, do you feel that way about racism? Obviously not. Right. Yeah, yeah right. Totally. No, it's yeah. good to feel that way about, there. like, transphobia? Well, clearly not. I mean, no. listen to me. Come on. Like, right. you know, but I feel like people take, like, conversations about movies like really seriously mm-hmm. and like if you don't like something that somebody else uh really likes they take it really personally and they take it as a personal attack because so much of like movies is caught up in our own personal identity i mean i w- i would know but like yeah. you know what i mean like so i think like if we just like chillax a little bit about like other people can have different opinions and it's fine. Yeah. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we like we like something so much and we, we feel like that must mean that's part of our personality or something. And so when somebody doesn't right. like that thing or says something mean about that thing, that means there's they must be saying something mean about me. This, exactly. Yeah. Because I liked this thing. <laughs> I, I will say anybody who did not like Birds of Prey is incorrect, but that's besides the point. Absolutely. <laughs> they are wrong and a bad person. That movie was so fucking fun. So my good. God. Oh, I could talk about oh. it forever. That's my next documentary, actually. I'm going to track yeah. down Margot Robbie next, you know. <laughs> birds of Play, or huh? I don't know. Chasing Birds? I don't know. We're fa- it's a working title. Birds working of a Feather. Title. Birds of a Feather. Birds of a Feather. There it is. <laughs> uh... All right, well, so uh, thank you so much, by the way, Seth, for, for coming on and just being so open with us. We really appreciate it. Um, hope you've had fun so far. Oh, I've had a great time. Thank you so great. much for, like, having me and asking to be on, and uh, this is this has been really great. I'm so, I'm so, so happy so to have you. So happy to have you. Um, so now is the portion of the show, the final portion, where, you know, we've been kind of, we've been we'd grilling you a little bit. You've been, you know, answering a lot of our questions, but now we hand the reins over to you mm. and you get to ask us something and we will answer it to the best of our ability, totally judgment free, unfiltered, one more adjective. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, let's see, what can get you guys canceled? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, Hashtag Haley and Zach are over party. <laughs> um, let's see. What is a question that you're afraid to ask trans people? Oh. Oh. What's a question I'm afraid to ask trans people? Yeah, I'm a trans guy. I'll let you ask me a question. <laughs> uh, uh, see, now you really will get canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I honestly, it's funny because we, we've just learned, a, I, well, I've personally learned a lot from the multitude of trans guests we have had. I yeah. will tell you that I have asked some dumb questions not necessarily i don't I mean not necessarily on this show but um yeah. i uh this one friend i have um i asked him so many dumb questions and i'll go ahead and out myself like basically i asked him you know like hey i can you know i'm on date it was a time when i was on dating sites i was like i'm on these dating sites you know women for women and i see a lot of like trans men on there um you know and i'm like aren't trans men men you know blah blah, blah and Again, it was like a dumb thing to ask that because he obviously explained to me like, well, you know, it's not always super strict binaries, A, and B, you know, it's not as if trans men are necessarily able to just go on straight Tinder and, you know, be able to meet people that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he 
definitely educated me a lot. Um, God, I feel lucky I'm not single, like, after coming out as trans, because I've got a really, uh, you know, I adore my fiance, and uh, I feel really lucky to have been with her, but it seems like a fucking nightmare to be dating while trans. Like, that, it just, it, it would be too stressful for me, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, because even dating not- sites are very uh, binary. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm a man seeking a man, a woman seeking a woman, yep. uh, man seeking woman, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, I don't, at least... I haven't, you know, this was two years ago, last time I was on them. I don't know if they've changed now, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's interesting. You know, I've never thought about it, like, as a as a trans guy, like, I would never want to be on, like, a platform like her or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, even though that's towards queer women, like, you know, I, I, I want to be seen as just like any other guy in a lot of circumstances, um, but I also don't want to deal with having that conversation with a bunch of cis women who, like have no familiarity with anything trans related and then like right deal with that whole thing so that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting okay i mean thank you for sharing that with yeah. me i mean I, I feel like it i feel like there it takes a lot of guts to like share when people have like had to like learn something like there's this whole shame right now with like not knowing things yeah um and i and i don't and i don't uh subscribe to that like i think there's a lot of uh a lot of you know, uh, opportunities to learn and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and that makes you better off. So I appreciate you sharing that, even if it's at like at risk to like you not seeming as like in the know, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, I appreciate Haley? that. I mean, I, a genius? <laughs> <laughs> even me, a genius. No, I, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit if I'm wrong. And like, again, I think it's like, I just try and go by like, my intentions you know my intentions are to learn i if yeah, i ask absolutely. a dumb question i'm really sorry now if so I think- do you have a dumb question right now <laughs> i could probably come up with a, a dumb question okay i could but something that you're afraid question. to ask trans people because you think they'll get mad yeah i okay um and then it's so funny you gave yourself a you gave us a question in which you will have to answer two questions or you just um i mean you don't you don't i don't have to answer i guess i mean you're right you could just leave us hanging yeah um um, let me think so i um I, i feel like i've seen a bit of debate on this online but i don't think i've actually gotten somebody like a trans person's kind of point of view um one on one but um just what you think about like for instance like a non-binary person who is presenting as what as their just outwardly presenting primarily as their um the assigned gender they were assigned they they were assigned at birth taking on the um the the uh the label trans if that mm. is um appropriate um or not I think if you know, I can't. I can't speak to everybody's gender identity. I, right, I have to course. assume that if somebody has come out as trans, that they are doing it from an earnest place where they are transgender. You know, right? Um, so I guess I don't have an opinion on that. Right. In that, I've, like, yeah. if people are if people are uh, trans and they feel like they can come out, I mean, I don't think you should feel pressure to necessarily change your gender performativity. Um, right. you know, no. if, if, if you're happy with that, like, it's so fucking hard to like be yourself. So like, yeah, you know, like if you don't have to change who you are, like already operating in the world, but coming out as trans is, is, uh, is valuable for you. Like I know yeah. a lot of non-binary people who don't change their gender performativity to 
you know, uh, coming out as trans, and I'm totally fine with it. You know, right. somebody else's transness doesn't take away from mine, and I think we all have enough room to support each other. So yeah, I th- I I, lo- I I really appreciate your, your answer because I feel the same way. I but I just I've I've noticed like some gatekeeping uh, in oh. from from people who like not, I don't know. I just feel like I don't know if that's how they want to identify. You know why not? Like I don't know. I I don't know. I guess some people think like like you're saying somebody taking on a label doesn't make it not mean anything to somebody else. Like, yeah, as weird. long as like you actually are trans, then great. Please, right. please join the club. More visibility yeah. helps us ideally. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess I don't know the specific instances and in, you know, what you may be talking about or what these people may be up in arms about. So yeah. I can't speak to that, but just based on, you know, your question, like anybody who is trans and has the guts to come out as trans and they really are trans, fucking great you know yeah um, I, I just think like almost no matter how you come out as a queer person no matter who you who you are i think there's almost always going to be somebody some other person telling you oh well you're not blank enough to blah 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 right and i think right. no matter any version of that is such garbage you know yeah like i i don't know there's room for all of us and yeah. you know anybody like i feel like since i came out as trans a lot of people have come out to me as trans some yeah. you know closeted some not um but i think you know it all ideally helps um yeah. uh it, it's a shame if like you're a like a, a person who's not very nice and they just assume all trans people are not very nice i guess but like you know what i mean like it it all helps. It's all cumulative, like we were talking about earlier. So I hope those people can feel like safety and being able to present however, you know, they really feel like they are inside. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's a yes for a stupid question. <laughs> there was a stupid question. I don't think it's a stupid question. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I asked for a question that you were uh, afraid to ask uh, a trans person. Like yeah. it would come off like you thought it might be too I stupid. Get, I don't think that's yeah. stupid. And also, guess, like, yeah. I've given you the space to do it. Wouldn't it be shitty if it's like, that's sure. fucking dumb. I'm not you answering that. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you idiot. So, yeah. Yeah. I, How about so, you, Haley? Yeah. I, so here's one I think about sometimes is Zach and I both have this belief. Just to go back to uh, talking about, you know, cishet people playing maybe queer characters or trans characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zach and I both feel the same way about actors playing gay or lesbian characters in the sense that, like, Right now, I think, you know, it would be great if gays and lesbians could play gays and lesbians just because Mm -hmm. those people are being denied roles that are going, you know, to straight people. Mm, Um, But Zach and I both feel like, you know, once gays and lesbians can kind of start, you know, getting more roles and getting these roles and getting to play straight roles, like eventually they are actors. Like sometimes you're playing... uh, you know, a botanist and sometimes you're playing a doctor in in the same vein. Like I think Mm -hmm. once people have equal representation in roles, then I don't care if a straight person plays a gay role, just like I don't care if a gay person plays a straight role. My question to you is, do you ever think that we'll ever get to a place where it'll be okay for cis uh, actors to play trans roles? Or do you think that is like a totally different thing entirely? I think it is a different thing entirely because, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's a different thing entirely because, uh, you know, people who come out as trans really are systemically kind of deny the opportunity to act, mm-hmm. you know, at all. 
in a lot of circumstances. And if they were right. cast at all, they were cast as mostly sex workers and not in a positive light the way that perhaps like Pose will, uh, you know, portray, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, not in my lifetime, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, ideally, you know, we could get to that place where anybody could play anything. But I also think that there's not a fundamental uh, understanding of what being trans is uh if you're not trans it's mm -hmm. it's a very strange thing i think you know kind of universally people can relate to love right like most people identify as some kind of romantic right there are people who are aromantic of course but mm -hmm. um for the most part this idea of love has been like shoved down our throats and you know whether you're romantic or not i identify as one for sure um people can understand what it's like to be in love mm, true. um and so I would argue that it's not necessarily the same thing, although I think that gay and queer and, you know, any kind of different sexuality actors should be able to play uh, queer actors themselves without being further marginalized, you know? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a tricky thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think we're going to get there in my lifetime with, with trans actors because uh, those stories aren't necessarily being funded, those roles aren't there, um, and anytime, you know... Uh, well, I, won't, I shouldn't say any time, but a lot of the times when somebody is able to break through, that show will get canceled for seemingly no reason, even if it has good ratings, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's 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 a funny thing. I I would love it if we could get to that place, but until universally trans people are given the same uh, opportunities as everybody else, I don't think we will. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but it, it's it's strange to watch somebody perform being trans. Because I don't typically feel that way about like watching straight actors play queer roles, although it is annoying that they get a lot more opportunities than uh, yeah. queer actors. I would love right. to see, I would love to see more loving, uh, you know, portrayals of you know queer romance by queer people because yes. I do think it lends itself to an authenticity that may not be there otherwise. Mm -hmm. But right. I, it's not hard to fake loving another person. Yeah. It is really hard to fake the exhaustion i think that goes with being trans and that life experience yeah it's it's totally yeah. you know coming out as queer and coming out as trans were totally different experiences for me in the way mm -hmm. that um you know in, in the different places in my life that i was when i came out as queer versus trans but also like the questions that people ask you like after you come out as trans compared to when you come out as queer like you get like inappropriate questions i think when you come out as queer mm -hmm. and like it's like oh does this mean you could like stare yourself naked and shit you know like all that kind of shit right yeah. um and people who uh, just fundamentally don't understand but when you come out as trans people ask you like really invasive questions about your body and like mm. stuff that you wouldn't like talk to anybody else about like you wouldn't just like ask any rando on so, the like any or... human yeah right, yeah right. and and it and it is a dehumanizing process to go through this healthcare system to try to like mm. you know uh if you choose to you know get any kind of medical intervention it's totally dehumanizing mm. um whether it's they don't use your correct name in the waiting room or you know you have to get you have to see multiple therapists to be able to qualify for top surgery or, you know, bottom surgery or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard, you know? And, um, I think that life experience lends itself to a lot of authenticity that there's a fundamental difference if you just read about it versus yeah. if you've experienced it. Yeah. And I think we got to give the people who've experienced it a real shot before anything else. But I think that was a very thoughtful question and thanks for asking it. Well, thank you for your answer. No, I've, I thank mean, again, yeah. I didn't think of it that way, you know, because it's not my experience. So thanks for well, I mean, enlightening yeah, me. 
that's the idea of movies, right? Is that they bring us together. And wouldn't it be great if you could see that experience on screen? Absolutely. Not by Jared Leto. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Because then you're just, not- otherwise you're just like boiling it down to like a voice in a costume. And it that's mm-hmm. not a whole, per- that's not the whole person, you know? It's a, cari- yeah. it's a caricature. It's a caricature that a- Jared Leto's yeah. doing. And, mm-hmm. I, and yeah. I will say, I will say, like, I would really love to show in a TV show or in a movie, somebody's full fucking transition. But that also requires finding a trans actor who's willing to go to that place of, hey, can you act pre, um, pre-transition? Can you show what that, like, how painful that was for you? Will you go there with me as yeah. your trans director? That sounds like a, um, a Linklater film, <laughs> like, so, sort of, like... Like the next, like th- that's like a tra- like a trans like boyhood, like what seeing yeah. somebody at different points in their life. And that would be a film that would be that. like really amazing, though. I, I would love because, to see that. because you know you can they, they they argue that once you transition, like you can't ever get back to like like before. But it's like you fucking Jared Leto is a grown ass man who went through that whole fucking uh you know transformation. And I'm picking on Jared Leto. There are tons of people who do this, yeah. but. People who were, like, very masculine presenting, who, like, feminized their features to play trans women, you know, it's like, you can do the opposite. You can have a trans person do that if they're willing to emotionally go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I've never seen that experience represented on film where you, like, really show someone's pre-transition and post-transition, you know, and, and, and post-transition is such like, a weird fucking word because what does that even mean? Like, you decided to come out as trans, I guess, right, you know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can show that journey on film. And you could have it done really beautifully and authentically mm-hmm. if you can find a trans actor who's willing to go there with you. And ideally, you have trans people behind the camera handling the sensitivity of that. Yeah. You know, not that cis people can't make trans movies. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, you know, I think there's uh, there needs to be opportunities for trans people to be able to tell their own stories. Yeah. Right. I'm not interested in further marginalizing fucking anybody, so that's why I never say that, like, the onus is on queer people to only tell queer stories, because then they just won't fund queer stories, and they're like, oh, we yeah. can't tell any queer stories, you know right. what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's all too real and complex, but, uh, yeah, so I think that I think that there's so many opportunities for us to tell stories that have really never been seen before because we haven't been given a fair shake. And so I hope queer people and trans people and anybody else who's fucking marginalized, whether it's due to race, uh, you know, disability, uh, you know, I don't know, ethnicity, did I say ethnicity? Um, you know, where you're from, your religion. Like, I think there's so many fucking beautiful stories that we can mine out if we just look somewhere else for once. So anyway, here, that's, here. My, that's my soapbox. Well box. said. Yeah, I love that. Well yeah. said. Thanks. Ugh. Well, Sav, that was thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> s- thank you so much. Like I can't convey it enough. This was fantastic. Yeah, I um, learned a lot today. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, this thanks. Is, this is great. And it was fun for so me ex- too. Yay! Yeah. And so excited to see the movie once it's out and all finished. Thanks. We're hoping to have it out in 2022. Now the COVID 19 pandemic has delayed us a little bit. Um, yeah. So we were hoping for 2021, but 2022. Uh, if the world is back in proper shape, uh, hopefully Chasing Chasing blah, blah, Chasing Chasing Amy. God, I haven't said that a billion times. Uh, <laughs> chasing Chasing Amy will be done, and uh, you know. I, but I'm just really grateful to get to talk to rad people like you guys. I, I appreciate you asking me to be on the show and uh, getting to chat about movies. Like that's my favorite thing. So thank you. Thank it's you. This is our favorite thing too. Yeah, it's like the best part of our week. Yeah. Um, so where can people follow you online to get updates on Chasing Chasing Amy? 
Great question, Haley. Uh, you can find me. <laughs> uh, you can find me at savrogers.com, S-A-V-R-O-D-G-E-R-S.com. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash savrogers. I'm on Instagram at savrogersfilm, uh, on Facebook at savrogersfilm, and then uh, on Twitter at snackpack, S-N-A-C-P-A-C-K. And I think I've pimped out all of my uh, social media <laughs> and uh, Good. self-promoted enough for one evening. As you should. As you should. And uh, Haley, where can we be found? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You can oh. find us on Instagram at NotTogetherPodcast, on Twitter at NotTogetherCast. Um, shoot us an email. Please keep sending us those questions um, at NotTogetherPodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Facebook. We're Not Together with Zach and Haley. So check us out there. Beautiful. Oh, also, they can watch my TED Talk. They can also watch my TED Talk. Uh, they, you have to. It's required viewing. Yeah, the rom-com that saved my life, Sav Rogers TED Talk. Yeah. Just Google that, and I'll pop up. And let me know what you think. Send me a message, and uh, let me know if you hated it or loved it. Actually, don't tell me if you hated it. But, you know, just... <laughs> yeah, be nice. We don't need to know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and throw that uh, link in the episode notes um, so people can people can click on that and watch that. Excellent. Easy peasy. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you again so, so much. Um, signing off, uh, my name's Zach. And I'm Haley. And we're, we're not, not together. together. Bye. Bye. We're Not Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Zach Ogle and Haley Manrique. And our intro music and theme song is composed by Barry Anderson.